it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! It's the Fantastic Four coming to you live from downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And it's the Pats Industrial Auto Supplies SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Arab Excellence and Chavis Furniture. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Bronner, Stephen Root, and Nick Wiggins coming to you live from the Grand Marriott here, Hyatt in Nashville, oh. Tennessee, the Grand Hyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Early Freudian it, slip. It, it, that, that's okay. We'll, we'll take it. It's been a long day so far, but we have a wonderful final drive scheduled for you. Tony Sakalis, Todd Illustrated, joining us at 3.30. Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart, is going to be stopping by at 4 o'clock. We were able to get in touch with Hendon Hooker, of course, Hendon Hooker, former starting quarterback at Tennessee, now on with the Detroit Lions. We we spoke with him for a couple of minutes. We'll be seeing what he has to say. Zach Blackerby locked on Auburn. Gary Stoken, CEO of the Peach Bowl. Chris Abrams Drain, of course, from Spanish Ford and a star cornerback for the Missouri Tigers. And Josh Williams, his offensive lineman, all scheduled on a jam-packed edition here of the final drive coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Fellas, it's it's been a, a hectic and chaotic moment or morning and afternoon so far, but looking forward to continuing to bring great coverage here of SEC Media Days. Yeah, man, we're here in Nashville. You know, it's it's been phenomenal already. Like you said, it's been a long day so far, but we heard from Brian Kelly. We heard from LSU. Jimbo Fisher took the podium. I believe Coach Drinkwitz is on the podium from Missouri already. Gotten the chance to talk to a lot of players already. And, of course, we got Stephen Root with us this week. I'm here, man. It's good to be here. Great to be with you guys and trying to help out come out of radio retirement to come to Nashville and do what I can to help. He said, I got one more in me. I got one more in me. Uh, my first media days, my first time in the city of Nashville. I, it's beautiful, man. I'm, I'm digging it here. Uh, but, yeah, we're all a bunch of hungry dogs trying to flag down everybody we can and talk to everybody. It's it's kind of a chaotic scene, but that's okay. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun, and I like hearing from the other media members that are here, too. So many familiar faces in town that, that I haven't seen in a long time, but I like it. There's just a buzz going on, and I like talking to the other media members, and you start to kind of figure out what people are thinking about these teams and just the buzz surrounding all of it, and... Um, you know, uh, Alabama especially. You know, some people are on the side of, oh, Alabama's going to lose a bunch of games this year. And 
just just funny to kind of pick people's brains and see which side of things they're on. Well, I think that's certainly been a more popular take this year than ever, that Alabama, you know, <laughs> the sky is falling in Tuscaloosa. You know, I've, I've overheard, oh, I got LSU first in the West and I got A&M second in the West. It's like, I think it was Chris Gordy who said earlier, it's almost like the, the non-popular thing to do, the, the non-trendy thing to do is like, oh, I don't think it's going to happen, but I might have to pick Alabama to go undefeated this year. Well, you know, when you are picking predictions or you listen to these coaches speak as they did this morning, it all started off with Commissioner Mike Slive getting us started off. And Commissioner Slive did honor the late Mike Leach going with no tie today as part of his wardrobe. And you look at the SEC where it just means more and you see that plastered all throughout the lobby and the different levels here in downtown Nashville. You look at four straight college football national championships being won all by the SEC, 13 and 17 years. And starting July 1st in 2024, we'll go to that 16-team format in the SEC. But so many of what or so much of what we see today is just based on the pride of Commissioner Slive and what the SEC has been able to accomplish this last calendar year. Well, um, you're saying Mike Slive. We know we know you Excuse mean me. Greg Sankey, but Greg that's okay. Thank you, thank you. But that's thank okay. You. I, I know you know. But, yeah, I mean, uh, just <laughs> that took me a thank minute you, thank for you, a loop for a second. That's <laughs> okay. We know you know. Uh, but yeah, man, that news coming out that Media Days next year will be in Nashville. Um, that's, that's such a big deal of Oklahoma and Texas entering the league. And, um, you know, I'm not saying you're catering to them by coming into the league for moving SEC Media Days next year, but it's just a big deal. And the way they've got Media Days moving around now at this point. Yeah, um, so Dallas next year, he said, right? Yes, Dallas next year. And they're, I'm sure it's going to be a big, big production in Dallas. The Omni Hotel in Dallas. That's right. Greg Sankey said we're going to light up the Dallas skyline uh, SEC colors. I thought one of the more interesting things that he said during his his portion this morning, he kind of, you know, Sankey talks first before any of the coaches, talking about, I think someone asked him, because I guess the Titans are opening up a new stadium. It's going to be this beautiful dome or out, out hybrid outdoor, indoor. Someone asked him the possibility of, you know, possibly playing the SEC championship in Nashville in the future, and he said some, you know, some line about how, oh, anything's possible. You know, whatever, whatever commissioner type line. Well, he did, but he also said that Atlanta, Atlanta is, is home of the home, SEC championship, exactly. and and I believe it ought to remain that. It's the envy of of the of college football conference. But championship. you know, yeah, he said with with a new venue coming to Nashville, it just opens the doors up for all kinds of events and games to be held there. It doesn't have to be the championship game. There's a lot of other things we could do. Um, if it's me, I'm keeping that championship yeah. game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. The, I think it's got to be there. But These neutral site kickoff games, for example. Oh, yeah. Like, there's so much stuff you can do. Like, Nashville is obviously a sports town, but you don't really think of it as a place you're going to play a big-time college football game, and that can certainly change. Like, take, like, the Georgia-Clemson matchups that they played in, uh, I believe they played in Charlotte and Atlanta. You know, throw throw a game like that in Nashville. Play Have Tennessee play, I don't know, Virginia Tech. They played a at uh, Bristol State, oh, yeah. right? Play him, throw him in the new stadium in Nashville. You know, so uh, just a litany of possibilities that get opened up with the with a new stadium like that. Well, it's, it's not only that. It's also just the SEC having the bragging rights of leading the nation in attendance in not only college football, but in 
women's basketball, in soccer, in women's gymnastics, in baseball, in softball. Those are your money makers as far as regards to revenue that is being generated by the Southeastern Conference. And boy, oh boy, did Commissioner Sank, you have a long list of accomplishments oh, yeah. that the SEC has, has uh, made over the last calendar year. It's been historic in regards to what the Southeastern Conference has been able to achieve. And then from a football standpoint, you look at 62 NFL draftees coming out of this last year's draft, the most of any conference in the country is evident why you see so many media members wanting to come to, to downtown Nashville and be part of SEC Media Days because this is where you are really going to see the future stars and you'll have an opportunity to sit and see the representatives not only from a head coaching standpoint you look at Brian Kelly taking the podium first today and coach you know he, he wanted to talk about the foundation of, of being consistent at LSU and, and what it's gonna take for the LSU Tigers to go ahead and win the SEC West once again and trying to have continued success from last year and leaving or learning LSU last year in his first year of course he comes from Notre Dame thinking that you know it's not going to be easy to win and play in the SEC but having a division title in year number one is a great foundation and a great way to start his tenure at LSU. Yeah didn't get the opportunity to ask coach Kelly a question but you know, it was so funny because one of the things he talked about before the Q&A is like, well, my first year in the SEC, I kind of saw it as a learning year and trying to figure out how to play in some of these big-time SEC stadiums and going on the road every week and just the grind of playing in the SEC. But keep in mind, with all that, the guy won the SEC West in his first season. Like, yeah, was was part of that the fact that Alabama lost two games in the regular season for the first time in a long time? Of course. But guess what? Brian Kelly beat Alabama. Uh, yes, was it by a point in an overtime? Yes, and it could have gone the other way, sure. But, I mean. He was able to put up uh, 30 points against Georgia. Not a lot that, of people that, did that. I either. mean, with a backup quarterback, oh, yeah. too. So, I mean, like, yeah, it was a learning year for LSU, but they won the SEC ah, West. They're so, dangerous, man. You know, they're wanted, really dangerous I already. I to ask him, like, building the pro. How do you. How do you all right, if year one is a learning year and you win the SEC West, what does year two look like? Well, it's just typical. This is what expectations are in Baton Rouge typically. They are typically needing to be, you know, one of the championship favorites. And the fact that they got to a point where they weren't that, that's the abnormal. The normal should be LSU as a national championship contender. And they're back there, man. Didn't take but a minute to get there either. Um, I, I was a big fan of the Brian Kelly hire. Some people did not like it. Um, I loved it at the time. And, you know, he's he's got it, it already. Took, it took me like... It took me a couple weeks to come around on it because I don't think anyone doubted, like, oh, Brian Kelly's a damn good football coach. Mm -hmm. He probably maxed out at Notre Dame, but what's the fit there? You know, of course, there's the famous clip from the basketball game, which if I was behind the production booth, I'd play right now. <laughs> uh, Nathan, maybe I'll have you look it up later. But, you know, he, he was here with his family. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the Cajun accent, <laughs> he's, he had the dancing with the recruits, and it was easy to poke fun at. But guess what? The guy went and won the SEC West in his first year. The guy knows how to coach football, even talking to his players that just talking about, you know, how simple he makes things from them. How you know how effective his coaching strategy is? You know how much of a joy it is to play for Brian Kelly. I mean, his guys love him, and they're they're ready to run through a brick wall from him. I fully expect LSU to 
be very competitive in the SEC West. Do I think they're going to win the SEC West again? No. I mean, I uh, have a little well, bit. Of, come on. I mean, man. well, if I was a Georgia <laughs> fan, I'd probably, I'd probably be hoping for LSU to win the West too. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. You do have to go to Tuscaloosa still this year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. There's a lot to be figured out. Well, I think that, you know, you try not to put your foot in your mouth when you're at this podium because you know you're going to be asked questions, whether it's NIL or about certain rivalries that are established for the LSU Tigers, for the Texas A&M Aggies, or for the Missouri Tigers. And I think that as a whole, you know, with this being the start of everything that we're doing in regards to college football, it's a, it's a great way to go ahead and stir the pot because as media members, yeah, we're going to have our predictions on who we feel coming back is scheduled or we think is going to play for a national championship or for an SEC championship. And, yes, there are a lot of people who think that Alabama and Georgia are your two favorites, but, you know, what do they say? Not so fast, my friend. You, you, you have a lot <laughs> of that so. going so on a lot. The table. Well, it's interesting, Corey. What do you think? Because we're going to get the chance to vote in terms of uh, who we think is going to win the East and West mm -hmm. at, at this week. Who do you think? Mm. is going to win that vote. It's been Alabama and Georgia. Do you think LSU is going to win the media vote for who people think is going to win the SEC West? People I, are high I, I do. I, I do think that LSU is going to be uh, a favorite. And and you can call it, you know, coming in last year as a dark horse because Alabama was favored to win it. But then when you lose that game, no matter how you look at how the Crimson Tide do, did lose that game, they lost. You, you are in a position to where now in year number one, Brian Kelly admitted it. He admitted that he's embracing that success. He's embracing that culture that he's trying to establish. And he mentioned the same things that Coach Saban had talked about, a foundation in the process and, and believing in the process and the way that LSU was taking the loss to Tennessee and how they responded to that loss to Tennessee a year ago. They could have folded up and not believed in the coaching staff but found a way to dig in and, and get that done with what was at hand. So I, I think that listening to the coaches that were on the podium uh, today or the players also, Josh Williams, a walk-on running back who we'll hear from later on in the final drive, kind of summed up the, the expectations of the LSU Tigers program. And when you believe and you're ready to run through a brick wall, like you said, as a player, and when you start to see and get the results that are expected for a program, that makes the difference also. Yeah, it was, it was funny you brought up, because I thought that was one of the more interesting things that Kelly talked about is like the loss to Tennessee and how, you know, that, that, can, that can cripple a season, a loss like that. You get blown out like that, man, it, it's easy to roll over and say, all right, we, we just don't have this year. And they, they really did the opposite. Obviously, you, after you beat Alabama, some things don't go the way you want them. You lo go to College Station and lose to a bad A&M team and, you could have made the college football playoff if not for that, but you know that still, still that being said, they get smoked by Tennessee. Then you still beat Ole Miss, you beat Alabama, you win the SEC West. I mean, I mean, it was it was pretty impressive what Brian Kelly was able to do in his first year. He talked about some interesting other topics too, talking about Pat Fitzgerald. I thought that was someone had the uh, had the courage to ask him about Pat Fitzgerald, and you know he he was pretty honest about it. He said, "Listen, like." And he said, I respect Pat. Like, he's a close friend. I know him pretty well. But he said, listen, coaches are the leaders of their programs. It's, it's about accountability. If you're a coach, you're walking through those halls. You, you know what's going on. And, you know, I, he said he didn't think Pat's going to 
duck accountability from this situation, but you're the head coach of the program. you got to be aware of what's going on. Well, the, also in addition to not only talking about Coach Fitzgerald, he had an opportunity to chime in about Alabama's offensive coordinator, and that part in Tommy Reese was, was interesting also because he had nothing but positive things to say and said, hey, he wished him the best for every game except the game to where LSU plays Alabama. So I know that that will continue to 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 brew until November when they do come to Tuscaloosa and ultimately if both of those teams can be undefeated when that game is played, it'll definitely reach a boiling point to where you'll have Alabama and LSU being that type of rivalry that a lot of fans have been accustomed to when Nick Saban was the head coach at LSU along with what you saw with Nick Saban coaching Alabama over the last 15 or 16 years in regards to being a great college football game and a great robbery that either team can win it and there's not going to be a blowout one way or the other. Well, where Alabama might be lacking and having a lead dog at quarterback, LSU is not. Man, I am all the way bought in on Daniels. I'm, I'm such a big fan of his. And That was another interesting thing that uh, Kelly so said, listen, Jaden Daniels is our star. He said, you know, Garrett's getting better every day, but yeah. Jaden Daniels is our starting quarterback. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer is a, a really good player, too, and he, there's going to be a lot of points in this season where LSU's up by plenty of points Get and even more more meaningful snaps, I believe, that Nussmeyer will take this year. But let's not kid ourselves Jaden Daniels is that guy he's a he's a Heisman candidate already um, he's he's here telling people he's put on some weight we're hearing the same things everyone says in media days sure. I mean it's it's the typical it's talk an echo chamber for oh sure. yeah oh absolutely but it's the typical talk but man he is an impressive cat and I'm a big fan of his you know I'm it just run down the quarterbacks in the SEC it's it's absurd but He's he's at the top of that list. I mean, we'll talk about that on the other side because the quarterbacks in the SEC are an interesting situation. I think Daniels is the best, but, I mean, after that, it's, there's a lot of question marks. We'll talk about this on the other side. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets here on the final drive. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. You're listening to 105.5 WNST in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here at SEC Media Days. We'd like to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by New Century Tires, the attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm, Eagle Dent Repair, and McConnell Buick GMC. So, fellas, before the break, we were talking about the quarterback play that's getting ready to be seen this season in the SEC and so many unanswered questions and when you play and you open up with a team that's a non-conference team or uh, as far as that big time robbery matchup okay LSU opens up with Florida State so you're going to have to have elite quarterback play from the first game Alabama on the other hand may have an opportunity to play up to four quarterbacks Auburn when they open up they may have an opportunity to play a couple of they might play 12 quarterbacks so yes I mean it's just one of those to where the SEC as a whole, when you look at the quarterback transformation or the turnover in quarterbacks, that's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch. 
No doubt about it. And, and, you know, I think it's just so fascinating to look at the conference as a whole from, from a quarterback standpoint because I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks entering this season. There's not there's not a Bryce Young, at least going into the season like you know there's let's let's look at going into 2022 for example Bryce Young's coming off a Heisman Trophy you know you know he's the best quarterback in the country at least arguably there just isn't that guy right now I mean Stephen you just said you think Jaden Daniels is a Heisman candidate and I'm not going to push back on that but you got Jaden Daniels KJ Jefferson Joe Milton's a question mark Carson Beck's a question mark whoever plays quarterback for Alabama is a question mark I I just well you talk about Bryce Young and, and you know like having a guy there's not a guy in the league that's of the names you're mentioning so far that has done much in the league yet you know with Joe Milton with Devin Leary we got all these guys Peyton Thorne Peyton Thorne yes I mean all of them man they've got a huge ability and opportunity to turn into a star I mean a bunch of these guys could I mean we see the you know videos of what Joe Milton can do with the football while he's wearing shorts and not having a pass rusher coming at him but there's a lot of guys that it's conference deep all the way. Carson Beck, we don't know, but when you're playing on the best team in the country. I think he's going to have an easy transition. I think he'll be just fine, yes. And, and behind him, Gunnar Stockton yeah. and Brock Vandegrift. I mean, there's so many dudes. Nussmeyer, we talked about him earlier. I mean, these, these teams go good quarterback pretty deep with the good quarterbacks. So, I mean, Carson Beck, Joe Milton, Devin Leary, it's, it's pretty crazy how deep it runs this year. Um, but... You know, the, the experience is there with K.J. Jefferson sure. for sure. Um, and now with Jaden Daniels a little bit. I mean, we've already seen him, what he can do while wearing the LSU uniform. And, and the, just the potential that's there across the conference. Sorry to cut you off, yeah, but fine. the potential that's there across the conference. Like, we could be looking at the conference very differently from a quarterback, quarterback-wise, at the end of the season than we are right now. Again, like you said, I think there's a ton of potential there. I think there's a couple of already really good ones, Jaden Daniels and K.J. Jefferson being prime examples. But, you know, the Joe Biltons of the world, the Carson Becks of the world, you might not like it, but whoever plays quarterback for Alabama of the world, I I mean, (laughs) there there might end up being like five, six, seven really great quarterbacks. Will Rogers, Mississippi State, he doesn't get enough shot. He was been there for 12 years he doesn't get nearly enough shine i mean there's a lot it's just it, i think the quarterback play in the conference is, is as good as it's ever been right now i don't know you'd have to go back and try to find a different year where it's deeper than it is I, now i challenge I someone to I, yeah because i'm not going to do it right now <laughs> I, I don't think it's happened like it is right now with the depth at quarterback it's absurd well when you are a quarterback or have played that position as jordan rogers of the sec network has as far as Alabama is concerned, everybody has thoughts and ideas about who it's going to be. And Jordan earlier today said he thought Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner are the three or the two go-to guys for the Crimson Tide really? as far as taking snaps first. And I, I think that, you know, that, that says, okay, Jalen Milrow, he doesn't really give and put a lot of cred- credibility in what he's doing. But... We hear a lot of different things about the Alabama quarterback situation, don't we? It really depends on who you ask. You can have one person tell you Jalen Milrose starting to separate himself and starting to do all the right things and starting to look good. Jalen Milrose 
Nick Saban values experience over him for anything. Jalen Milrow is probably going to be the starter week one. You ask another person, you ask Jordan Rogers, he's saying Ty Simpson's going to be the starter week one. Ask another person, they say Nick Saban yeah. didn't bring in Tyler Buckner for no reason. Tyler Buckner's going to be starting. No one knows. Mm-hmm. That, that's the reality of the situation. And for you know, first time at Alabama in a very long time, absolutely no one knows. Well, I mean, Auburn's kind of got something on their hands, too, where they've got a guy we've seen in uniform in Robbie Ashford. Mm-hmm. Now we've seen the athlete that he is for sure. Can he be a well-rounded quarterback? We don't know about that. But Peyton Thorne's now possibly the guy there. Um, he's got to be the But Jalen Milrow, right? you got to feel for him. I mean, he's kind of been in line for this job to be his. Now you don't know. Now it's looking very much in the up in the air at this point. Well, the great thing is here at the beginning of August, when you actually are start to take reps, we'll be able to actually see who will kind of grab the bull by the horns for the Alabama Crimson Tide because you can put any of the five quarterbacks in that starting room for yourself and Nick Saban, but until you actually get out and we're having practices for Alabama and something to see and evaluate. That's something that's going to be determined once the pads get to popping. As far as when the black jerseys come on, no contact by the Alabama QBs or to the Alabama QBs. But I think that's when you'll start seeing the decision being made, not until then. Stephen, who's starting week one for Alabama? Who, all right, week two against Texas, rather. Yeah, there you go. That, who, who's starting week two? It doesn't really matter who starts week one because it might be a might be a glorified practice to see who starts week it two. It will be Tyler Buckner. I think that will be your guy. Wow. So Stephen Ruth thinks Tyler Buckner. I hope, I hope they can find a job, uh, a way to use an athlete like Milrow. I mean, you know, we're, when we get to this point of trying to figure out a two-quarterback scheme, I don't know. But Milrow is so. a, an animal that is so good athletically. You've got to find a way to use What about you? I'm still going to score with Milro, and that's who I think is going to, you know what? To, there you go. To Point be there for you know what? How, how about how about it? I'm going Ty Simpson. So there you go. That if, proves if, your if, point. if that doesn't if that doesn't show it right there, I mean, I'll give you another guy that, that this year I'm going to say you're going to see the best version of so far. Let's not forget about Spencer Rattler. Sure, that man exists yeah. for South Carolina. And he, I mean, he, that's a guy who could be a first-round pick. Yeah, next you know, there, there's some guys. You know, Connor Wegman at, at A&M. We, sure. We were, there's still guys. We're still going on and on with names. Um, but you know, some of these guys are less fortunate with the team they play on and talent around no them. No doubt. Um, but I think you're going to see the best we've seen Spencer Rattler look, and Carolina's going to be okay. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, Rich's Car Wash, Dixie Supply, and the Cart Doctor. And on the other side of this final drive break, We'll be talking to Tony Sakalas. He'll be talking all things tied. And, again, we've kind of conjured up in our minds three different ideas about where Alabama will go to in week number two. But we'll talk to Tony Sakalas coming up next here on the final drive, coming to you live from SEC Media Days 2023. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile.
Welcome back to the final drive here coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. It's the Pats Industrial Auto Supplies SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm and of course also Dixie Supply and you know, when you look at Nick Stadium, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide getting ready to take the podium on Wednesday, of course, Tony Sakalis will be here covering it as well. And, Tony, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us here on the final drive. Hey, good afternoon. Tony, I, I tell you, we had things kicked off today with Brian Kelly along with Jimbo Fisher and Coach Drinkwitz from Missouri, and when Nick Saban takes the podium on Wednesday, I know there will be a lot of people listening and, and waiting to hear what he has to say. Not that he's going to say anything different than what he's been talking about all summer long, but it's that time of year to where we're even closer to the kickoff of the 2023 college football season. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting questions he can face. All starts with the quarterback position, though. I'm sure he'll be asked maybe multiple ways about back position and where things stand. I know that there'll be also some questions probably about, you know, next year's schedule. There might be some questions about NIL. Um, you know, there might be some questions. Uh, another one I brought up in my piece today, uh, there might be some questions about where Alabama's place is in the conference. I mean, I think the SEC media day is always predicting Alabama as the team of the conference. Some people might even predict, you know, LSU winning the West again. And, you know, uh, it's just it'd be really interesting to see if Nick Saban gets asked about that and then what his comments are on that. Also, Tony, I mean, outside of that, Alabama continues to do a phenomenal job of recruiting. And this weekend, Caleb Odom, another four-star tight end, decided to go ahead and verbally commit to the Crimson Tide. I know that's another huge commitment and, and a position of need for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide moving into the 24 season. Yeah, when you look at, you know, the offense under uh, Tommy Reese, you know, you're always going to need to be well-stocked with tight ends. It's something that his offenses kind of revolve around. And with Caleb Odom, you've got that kind of versatile guy that's like almost a wide receiver um, in terms of his pass-catching ability. So uh, those are hard to find. Uh, so being able to find a guy that can do both and really excel at a wide receiver, um, I think that's going to be, you know, key for Tommy Reese's offense and just what he likes to do and the versatility he likes from his tight end. So that was a big pickup for Alabama. And, you know, you're starting to see Alabama, you know, pick up some steam uh, on the recruiting trail after, you know, their annual kind of slow start. This is the kind of time in the race where, you know, Alabama starts picking things up. And I expect them to finish pretty high uh, in terms of recruiting classes. Also, Tony, when Nick Saban welcomes those recruits to Bryant-Denny Stadium starting in September, it'll be done so on a brand-new field turf. As far as grass, the grass that was installed totally dug up out of Bryant-Denny Stadium, and it's kind of like the air conditioner is in the grass as well as part of the renovations done to the field at Bryant-Denny Stadium. This is just another example, right, of Alabama having the best facilities. There are certain programs in college football that have just A-plus a facilities for where you turn, and Alabama is one of them. 
uh, this is another thing that can, you know, use to their advantage in terms of recruiting and in terms of, you know, it's going to benefit the players, obviously, to be able to play a persistent service throughout the season. See this kind of get uh, born a little bit. Tony, obviously, you, you brought up the fact that not everyone's picking Alabama to win the SEC West this year. I mean, just the, the vibe up in Nashville is certainly – I'm not going to say it's LSU and everyone else, but obviously LSU is the hot pick. I overheard someone say they got LSU first and A&M second. I mean, what, I mean, what is it like? I mean, have you ever seen anything like this, a, a, such a doubted Alabama team in, in the last, you know, really better part of the last decade? Yeah, well, I think it comes down to the quarterback position. Do you know what you're getting from Alabama in that quarterback position? I, I don't really, you know, I don't really blame people for doubting Alabama. I mean, it, this could be one of the worst if they can't figure out the quarterback position. But that's still a big if. I, on the flip side, if they do pick the quarterback position, I think this is a contender. And probably, you know, the team that's the best choice to be But it all comes down to that out, you know, and I'm confident that Nick, Nick Saban will be able to find the right guy, and Alabama has a capable, all three of the, the candidates, the, the lead for the job are, are capable about finding the right one, um, so I have confidence in Alabama's ability to do that, and that's why I am not maybe jumping on the, the doubt train of Alabama, but I definitely understand it, because until they prove that they can have an answer behind center, it, Things could still be ugly for the Crimson Tide. When you say things could be ugly for the Crimson Tide, that's something that a lot of Alabama fans just can't imagine. And as far as being ugly for the Crimson Tide, would that be considering three or four losses that that could possibly be had on this year's schedule? I mean, yeah, if, if a quarterback doesn't develop, then sure. I think you could say that about any team, though, right? Uh, you know, we're in an age of college football that if you don't have uh, good play behind center, that you're not going to be very successful. So it, it shouldn't come as a surprise to say if Alabama can't figure out its quarterback, it should lose, you know, three or four games. Uh, I, I mean, most teams, if you can't figure out a quarterback, you're losing more than that, you know? I just think that, you know, Alabama's got so much around the quarterback position that they don't need the, whoever wins this job. They don't need them to be Bryce Young. They don't need them to be a Heisman contender. They just need them to be capable, uh, be a point guard, uh, be somebody that can make the offense run, uh, and, and they'll have all the weapons to do so. You know, I mean, Alabama's got a really deep receiving core. It's got a it – what should be a very improved offensive line, and it's got uh, a, a ridiculously deep backfield. So just – don't get in the way of that and, you know, be able to make plays, be able to get the ball to some of those playmakers. That's easier uh, said than done. But at the same time, I think, you know, when you look at either Jalen Miller or Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner, those, are, those guys are all capable of, you know, handling that and then developing into what Alabama needs. So it's just a matter of who steps up and does it. Tony Sakalas, Tide Illustrated Managing Editor. Editor, Tony, uh, I mean, if you were going to make a prediction in the SEC West, I mean, are, are, are you taking Alabama at the end of the day, or, or, or are you ultimate, ultimately is your gut telling you that uh, that it's going to be someone else's year facing Georgia? Yeah, in had a bit of chaos, right? I, I was finishing. Um, I actually 
saw them in a win the conference, uh, losing to LSU and then beating Georgia in the SEC championship. I had Georgia, LSU, and Alabama all ending up with one loss, and it's you know game by prediction I did last week. The crazy thing is I have LSU losing one game to Alabama that just ends up proving to be the costly game. You know, I think that, that that's a game to circle, but I think it'll be between Alabama, LSU, and, and Texas A&M. Uh, those are the three teams that in the West. And then obviously I think Georgia's going to win in the East. Um, and I think it's going to be close. I think you could see a situation where, you know, like I predicted, almost break college football because you do with a one-loss – Georgia, one loss Alabama, and one loss Alabama beat LSU and, you know, and Georgia, you know, the two-time, two-time defending champion, you know, you can have three, you can have a situation where you have three different SEC teams all deserving of the playoff. Um, and when I did my predictions, that's what happened. So, uh, it, you know, maybe we'll get some chaos like that, but I think it'll be close in the West and, and not so close in the East. Tony Sakalis joining us here on the final drive. Tony, how can everyone follow all of your great Alabama Crimson Tide coverage? Yeah, besides Tide Illustrated, or you can go to alabama.rivals.com. You can follow us at Tide Illustrated on Twitter, and you can follow me at Tony underscore Sakalis on Twitter as well. Thank you so much, Tony. Look forward to seeing you here downtown Nashville on Wednesday for sure. Awesome. Yeah, see you guys. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by Air of Excellence, Chavis Furniture, New Century Tires. Their attorneys at Hedge Copen Law Firm will return right after this break. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Days 2023, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by the Cart Doctor, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. We want to thank all our fine partners that made this possible for 2023 SEC Media Days and you know when, when you have college football of course you have plenty of NFL football to go along right with it and this weekend we've been waiting on DeAndre Hopkins to see where he was going to land and we happen to be in the Music City. <laughs> Just so happens exactly. as we were driving up here, he signed with the uh, with the city that we were driving to. Two years, $26 million at 31 years of age. Of course, Hopkins got released by the Cardinals and only played in nine games last year. But when you look and you have Ryan Tannehill along with Derrick Henry and then you Look at adding Hopkins. Some people aren't really sold on what DeAndre Hopkins is going to bring. Maybe he's washed up. Maybe he's not washed up. But in the situation for the Tennessee Titans, I think it adds a lot more depth to their roster for certain. Hey, you can count me in the category of some people there. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and it's not even—it's it's less of a DeAndre Hopkins thing than uh, than it is the fact that I think the Titans are 
just awful. Man, I, I, I think they're going to be so, so, so bad this season. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think Ryan Tannehill's just about done. The rest of the quarterback room is equally bad. I mean, Derrick Henry, obviously we all love Derrick Henry, but I just, I just don't know at this point how much better he makes a bad football team and and uh you know the defense is a mess is going to continue to be a mess i don't think mike Vrabel's all that good of a coach and I, I just think it's the year it all falls apart for the titans and i don't think signing deandre hopkins keeps that from happening now let me ask you this michael Bronner: if deandre hopkins were to have signed with the new england patriots <laughs> would you have had the same type of thought process I guess, behind like, deandre hopkins my, my thoughts on that are not are a, a lot more about the Titans and what I've been saying about the Titans for months now than I than about DeAndre Hopkins. You know, do I think DeAndre Hopkins is still this elite wide receiver? No, of course not. But yeah, I mean, did I want the Patriots to sign him? Sure, I like. But what I've been jumping for joy, thinking, oh, you know, the Patriots are a middling AFC East team to Super Bowl contender with DeAndre Hopkins. No, I mean he's 31 years old. He's he, he hasn't had an elite season in a few years now. I, I just I don't think he moves the needle that much for any team, let alone a, a team that's not that great. You know, if he had signed with the Bills or Chiefs, it's like, all right, you know, that's a that's that's a really good move for a team that's already a championship contender. But you know, you take DeAndre Hopkins and, and add him to a team that I think is already terrible. Eh, I, I I don't know. I mean, and now he's going to be what the eighth receiver his career go, went to die in Tennessee. Well, it's not only that. Now you look at what you have to look at for Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Mm. What, what, what do you think is going to happen in their future? I mean, you know, Jacobs says, look, he, he wants to be shown the bag. And, of course, Saquon Barkley has already said that he'll probably be willing to sit out as far as when you put that franchise tag on the player like the Raiders have done with Josh Jacobs. I just don't I don't know what what other choice do you have if you're the former Alabama running back at Josh Jacobs. I mean, very versatile to me the Raiders need Josh Jacobs more than Josh Jacobs needs the Raiders. Who Yeah, I mean you, you the, the, well, that's an interesting statement there. I mean neither, so both uh Jacobs and Saquon who got franchise tag didn't get their long-term extensions that they wanted they they were both made offers and they weren't offers that either of them wanted or wanted to agree to and i mean we've had the debate time and time again how important is the running back position should running backs be paid big money i mean we we talked to uh is it ryan dunleavy about this and you know he, he makes a fair point when it comes to the giants for saquon it's like all right well you know not every team has patrick mahomes so you, you know it makes sense to pay run yes did the chiefs win a super bowl with a seventh round rookie running back yeah they did but they also have patrick mahomes whereas the giants you know it's daniel jones ain't patrick mahomes he he kind of needs that saquon barkley and uh, you know the raiders almost similar to the titans i mean as much as i love josh jacobs like do, does he make a terrible raiders team any better I mean, he makes him a little bit better, I guess. Of course he does. I well, mean, he he's at the league in rushing. He makes him better, but does he take him from a bottom-tier team to a playoff team? No, he's a running back. But the versatility that he does give you 
as far as making the playoffs, I, I think that you're going to increase your number of wins oh. if you have Josh Jacobs in the lineup. Now, are the Raiders one of those that are going to go into the second or third round of the NFL playoffs? Of course they are not. But as far as leading the league in rushing yards and then from the line of scrimmage having and leading the league in total yardage, yeah. you, you have to find a way to go ahead and pay him. I'm not saying that you have to break the bank or set the market in Josh Jacobs, but if you had to choose out of Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley to mm. pay, who, who would you pay the most money to? Hmm. I think Saquon Barkley is better, but uh, I also think he's had an injury history that Jacobs hasn't really had. Jacobs also had uh, a little bit less tread on his tires in, uh, not even a little bit, a lot less tread on his tires in uh, college than Josh Jacobs did, or than Saquon Barkley did, rather. Saquon Barkley obviously was a superstar at Penn State, whereas Jacobs was kind of, you know, in that running back rotation at Alabama and, uh, you know, just came into the league. He was a first-round pick as well, but came into the league just with uh, a lot left, more left in the tank. So, you know, I can see the argument for both. I do think Saquon Barkley is a bit more talented than Josh Jacobs, but, I mean, these running backs, they get one chance to cash in, so I get why they want to. Uh, but, you know, if you said they're not trying to set the market, I mean, all these guys want to set the market and want to break the bank once because they really, they're really they running backs. Their careers aren't long. They really only get one chance to. So I get it. It's just uh, it's a different era in 2023. Coming up, scheduled to join us here on the final drive, downtown Nashville, SEC Media Days 2023. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Day is presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Rich's Car Wash, LNS Air Conditioning, Ward International Trucks, and Ken Morgan, All-State Agent. Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart, is in the building, scheduled to join us next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Brunner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to our number two of the final drive. And this is Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Eagle Dent Repair, McConnell Buick GMC, Ward International Trucks. And here in downtown Nashville at the Grand Hyatt, always a, pr a privilege and a pleasure to be joined by who many people consider Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart, you see him on CBS, you've seen him on ESPN, but when it's time for SEC Media Days, I know that gets the pot stirred up for the fan bases, and sometimes coaches say things that get us even more riled up <laughs> and ready for the first week of college football. Well, it's exciting. It's exciting to be here in Nashville. Uh, Somebody asked me earlier today, you know, do you consider this the start of college football season? I said, absolutely. This is when college football season starts. We're going to hear 
you know, while the time that we're here, we're going to hear from all the coaches. We're going to hear from what 30, 42 players, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be special. And this is hard to believe. This summer has gone by so quickly. Tony, I got to get the hard question out of the way first. How did you earn the nickname Mr. College Football? I can tell you that I deserve absolutely no credit <laughs> for that. Uh, when I was still working at the Atlanta Journal Constitution, they were building their website. Uh, that's, that's how long ago this was. They were building their website and they came to me and says, Look, we want you to write a blog for this website. I said, That's great. What's a blog? And they, they explained to me what a blog was, and I said, well, let me get this straight. You want me to write something that's going to get people arguing amongst themselves online? I said, that's it. That's exactly it. I said, I can do that. I said, but, and they said, but one thing we want to do, we're going to give it a title. We're going to call it Mr. College Football. And I said, man, isn't that kind of cheesy? I said, yeah, it is, but Cheesy works on the Internet. So yeah. I can't take any credit for it. I, an editor by the name of Scott Peacock uh, tabbed me Mr. College Football, and when I left the AJC in 2009, uh, I asked my, my daughter, who's a lawyer, can I take the title with me? And she said, yep, they haven't trademarked it. So that's it, it has stuck, and uh, I ain't giving it back. I so. don't blame you. And, and, and it's well-deserved because of your wealth of knowledge and just covering – you look at the growth of SEC Media Days, going from Birmingham to, to, to Hoover to Atlanta, now here to Nashville. And we found out earlier today from Commissioner Sankey that it's going to be going to Dallas, Dallas. Mm -hmm. next year. The growth and the expansion and the love of college football has already been there, but the way in which it spread not only within the states but worldwide. Well, very, very, very smart move by the SEC. You know, when they, when they released the 2020 four schedules and who everybody was going to play in there. Notice they made a rule. Everybody in the conference has to play Texas or Oklahoma. That was a, in 2024. That was a brilliant move. Same thing here. You're welcoming Texas and Oklahoma into the league. What better way to do it than to have uh, SEC Media Days in their footprint? And so I think I thought it was a very strategic move. Talking about the 2024 schedule, was there a team that you felt got the mo the short end of the stick in terms of who they have to play in with that all uh, non-divisional schedule. Somehow Arkansas always seems <laughs> to get the, the toughest break on the scheduling. Well, I knew I knew that was I knew that was one of them. So, uh, but you know what? There, there was no way you're going to make everybody happy with that schedule. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, all I know is the as soon as I, I called some of my friends, I said, "This is not for publication, but I have it on good authority." that when they announced the schedule, Georgia's going to Texas. And my, I have a lot of Georgia people in my family. My daughter's one of them. My phone blew up when they saw that because they all want to go. Most, most of them have never been to Austin. And that will be one of the toughest tickets you'll ever remember. Speaking of Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football this afternoon on the final drive live in Nashville at SEC Media Days. Let's talk about that Georgia schedule for a second because Georgia, I mean, I understand they were supposed to play Oklahoma mm -hmm. this season, but, you know, they, they, they didn't, and now it's replaced by, uh, by Ball State because they're coming to the SEC. <laughs> Alabama didn't keep Alabama 
from playing Texas the last two seasons, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I mean, Georgia going into 2024, they also have one of the most difficult schedules. They go from really nothing this year, where they really should go 12-0, and maybe Tennessee challenges them, to next year, you know, they go to Texas, they go to Alabama. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Brutal schedule. Brutal schedule. <laughs> I, the football scheduling gods get even sooner or Absolutely. later. Absolutely. Like if they give you an easy schedule this year, they hammer you the next year. So, you know, all, all that's going to be, those games are going to be absolutely fascinating to watch, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. This is this is so good for the conference. Uh, the, the new scheduling model, one, no divisions, and all that. And the neat thing about the scheduling model is that every two years you play everybody in the conference. Every four years you play everybody in the conference home and away. And that is great for the fans. It's great for the players. You know, the players get tired of playing the same games every year. And on the old scheduling model, you, you seven of the teams you played in the SEC were the same teams every single year. So I, I think it's I think the scheduling model's brilliant. Well, you go from a new scheduling model from the 2024 season to to looking at this year. And I know last year you did have LSU, who pretty much under first year head coach Brian Kelly. Not many people picked them to win the SEC West, maybe not even to finish in the top three, but they did and were able to do that. And Coach talked earlier today about his process of trying to continue to build on what he did one year ago. Now, the pressure's on him to win a national championship because of the success of women's basketball and baseball yeah. <laughs> with the first-year head coaches. LSU, do they have what it takes this year to continue that trend? They have what it takes to to win the SEC championship and if you have what it takes to win an SEC championship you have what it takes to win a national championship I'm, I'm leaning towards Alabama even logically LSU should win the SEC West they have a proven quarterback they are deep Harold Perkins is as good a player as I've seen oh, yeah. in a long long time so they've got all the element but they LSU plays Alabama in Tuscaloosa and that is going to be something. But LSU is absolutely good enough to win the national championship, no doubt. Well, it's funny you predict Alabama because it seems like at this point, we'll see how the uh, the predictions come out on Thursday for what everyone thinks, but it seems like it's almost a going against the grain to pick Alabama to win, to you know compete for a national championship and win the SEC West this season. I mean, what, can you remember the last time experiencing that? Well, you just look at the holes that Alabama has. The, un the answered questions. They have a question at quarterback. Uh, they were they were just okay on the offensive line. You know they they, they have got a lot of issues. They got to resolve. I'm it, it, picking Alabama is more of an emotional pick oh, yeah. than it is a logical pick. For me too. It's an emotional pick because. You know, you know, and Nick Saban made, made made that big hubbub about, well, we should have been in the college football playoff because the people told me that we would have been favored against three of them. It was ridiculous. Nick Saban did not for one minute think his team should be in the playoffs. <laughs> what he's doing is what he always does. He talks over the head of the media, which is not hard to do. He talks over the head of the media to his players and said, hey, you guys got hosed by the selection committee, and nobody believes you're good enough to do it. And, and that's what he's doing. He's 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 preaching to his players to say, hey, you, you, we're going to have to get on the stick. 
with the unknown going in with Alabama's uncertainty at quarterback. I I've never seen Nick Saban have five quarterbacks on the roster. It's great to have Tua or Jalen having a battle with one another, and I know that's going to be some of the biggest questions that are asked, not only by us media members, but probably even people inside his own room that are thinking about, do I transfer out? Do I stay? What? Do I go? And I just want to get your thoughts, not only about the transfer portal um, and being able to immediately play, but also the, the, the changing of the NIL in collegiate athletics. Well, let, let's start with the transfer portal. First of all, they made a good move recently where they cut it down. They're, they're, now there are going to be two 15-day windows, one in the spring, after spring practice. You can figure out what your roster is, and then another one in, in December. Uh, it's not going away. It's not going to – now that they've got it down to 30 days, it's not going to change. Now, the NIL situation is one where we don't have any guidelines – this thing has been mismanaged from the very beginning for the lack of leadership at the top of the NCAA. No big surprise there. And Commissioner Sankey was very forthright today. He said, you know what? Our best opportunity to get a handle on this is uh, federal legislation. Because without it, without Congress getting involved, then you've got 50 states with 50 sets of laws and there are going to be some states, there are some states already, that basically they go, hey, coach, tell us what you need, and we'll put it into the law. There's no way that that's fair. There's no way it is. And so, but there's no, there's no way you can change. Now that the NIL is out of the bag, there's no way you can change it outside of federal innovate, uh, intervention that does not violate antitrust law. It's, it went, it, they, they, they did not have any guardrails to begin with, and now uh, you can't undo it. I talked about the toothpaste being out of the tube analogy, and that's exactly right. I, I know one of the great things, though, about football in general is the way it unifies teammates, the, the bonds that are made for a lifetime of memories. And I know you have the 19 of green, and I would like for you to tell us a little bit about football, friendship, and change in the fall of 1970. Well, in the fall of 1970, I played on the first ever integrated football team at my high school, Green County High School in Greensburg, Georgia, about halfway between Atlanta and Augusta off of I-20, and the schools, the courts ruled that the schools would completely integrate, okay? I know this will shock you, but there were some people who were not thrilled with the idea of black kids and white kids playing together or going to school together or playing football together. The court said, now, it's going to happen now, and it did. The schools merged. We had spring practice, and when spring practice was over, we had 19 guys, 12 white, 7 black. And that was it. And that's what we were going to go to war with. And that team, we won a, a division championship, played for a region championship. But the story of the 19 of green is not how many games we won. It's the fact that 52 years after we played our last game together, we've got a lot of enduring friendships. Charles Turner, our quarterback, is one of my, one of my best friends. We've been friends for 52 years. And, uh, you know, I have a charity golf tournament. He plays in mine, and he has a charity golf tournament, and I play it is. We're, we're very close. It doesn't get any better when you start looking at just the 
the coalition that comes together through athletics, whether mm -hmm. it's football, basketball, just sports in general, all cultures, all creeds, all colors come together. And for yourself and the experience that you had in 1970, you look at today's game, the passion and the joy of college football, even peewee football, when you have the, the teams that, that are coming together with different races and nationalities. And that's what it's all about, Mr. Right. College Football, Mr. Tony Barnhart. That, that's what it's all about. And that's what your book is all about as well, sharing your stories about the 19 of green. Well, I appreciate that, and we're very pleased with the way the book turned out. It'll be out in October, published by the University of Georgia Press. And uh, I've done six books, and I can easily say that this is one the most the one I cherish the most. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here at the 2023 SEC Media Days and become part of the final drive this afternoon. Of course, Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by McConnell Buick GMC, Ken Morgan, Allstate Agent, and Ward International Trucks. The final drive will return in just a moment. Welcome back to the final drive. Coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Of course, this is 2023 SEC Media Days. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by Keesler Credit Union along with Chavis, excuse me, Chavis Fine Furniture and you know, Michael Brauner, you never know who you're going to see walking the halls here at the Grand Hyatt downtown. And when your college or collegiate eligibility is over and you're an NFL superstar, a current NFL superstar or potential draft pick by the Detroit Lions, we're talking about Hendon Hooker. And you saw Hendon Hooker in the lobby today promoting Bush's Baked Beans, who is yeah. one of the big-time sponsors of Southeastern Conference football. And we saw our very own Roger McCrary Jr. in Bush's Baked Beans because he would eat a whole plate of baked beans in his pregame meal to prepare. And that was big time there. So when you're in a situation to where you have Hendon Hooker in the building, I know that's always an interesting aspect. Yeah, man. I mean, Hendon, I didn't certainly didn't expect to see Hendon Hooker this morning, but there he was with his can of Bush's. Man, they, they must have the best marketing team in the country over at Bush's. They got Roger McCreary last year with the branded cans of baked beans. Hendon Hooker holding his custom little can, and then he's, uh, you know, he's w willing to do a bunch of interviews that gave us a couple minutes. So, uh, you know, Nathan, let's go ahead and hear a couple minutes from Hendon Hooker. 2023 SEC Media Day, and then talk about your expectations and the excitement that you have entering your rookie year. Yeah, um, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm getting my leg back fully healthy, uh, continue to soak up as much information as I can, and when I get out on the field, you know, make some plays. Talk about the excitement of the Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama being the home of Jim Nagy, giving you that opportunity, and what you learned in your time there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, um, you know, really just got acclimated to the NFL playbook um, as much as I could, uh, getting those mental reps and just helping guys on the field. But, um, you know, it's an amazing experience going there. It was a dream come true. You know, from a young age, I always dreamed of playing in the Senior Bowl. I didn't get to play in it, but to be able to attend it and, and get my jersey is surreal. The opportunity to see yourself come back from injury and come through adversity. I know that this is going to be a very exciting time for you, a learning curve as well. But going into this training camp, what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. um, you know, do as much as I can, uh, but not overworking my knee. Um, but you know, continue to work on my technique and, and delivering the ball wherever I want it and taking full control of the offense. Tennessee Volunteers expectations this year. I know you'll always be looking and checking scores. How do you think they're going to wind up doing this year? I think they'll do good. I'm expecting them to go undefeated. Um, you know, I'm expecting Joe Milton to put on the show per usual. Go in there, Heisman. Um, we talk every day. So um, continue to, to watch him grow and, and lead the team in a, in a positive direction. I'm excited. Hendon Hooker, now Detroit Lion, former Tennessee Volunteer, live here at SEC Media Day. Thank you very much for your time. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Well, Michael Brauner, Hendon Hooker, if he does not get injured, I really do think the Tennessee Volunteers really have an opportunity to win. He wins the Heisman. He, 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 and, and you look at the success that they had with him. I mean, he absolutely torched the Alabama secondary in that game. But for, for the Detroit Lions to take an opportunity to – to really, when he comes down to the Reese's Senior Bowl and talk with him one-on-one -on -one and get a chance to meet him, because his film, it spoke for itself. But here's a young man that when he becomes healthy, he's one of those that I think you can say, look, you know, he has the potential to be one of those NFL elite quarterbacks. Yeah, we talked about Hooker a lot before the draft, and for good reason. Obviously, he had a ridiculous season for Tennessee, and before he tears that ACL against South Carolina, I mean, like you said, he was well on his way to winning the Heisman. Maybe Tennessee gets a chance to get into the playoff. Uh, like, if he's healthy, maybe they get the benefit of the doubt and get led in the playoff regardless. If they, uh, if they, if they win that game against South Carolina... And, and Hooker stays healthy, and you're looking at a one-loss Tennessee team that doesn't make the SEC championship because Georgia obviously wins the East. I mean, that Tennessee team is in the playoff. You that like look at, uh, for example, Alabama in 2017 after losing the Iron Bowl as their one game as their one loss of that season. You know, they get led into the playoff, they get the benefit of the doubt, they go and win the national championship. So, you know, it's not like we haven't seen a non t a team that hasn't played in the conference championship. Uh, appear in the college football playoff before you know that team would have been in the playoff again you know they needed to win the game against South Carolina they needed to not lose the game which who, who knows if they would have won but yeah I mean it doesn't take away from the season that Hendon Hooker had he was phenomenal and I do expect him to be really good I was higher on Hendon Hooker than I was on a lot of guys in this NFL draft I, I thought he showed more than CJ Stroud definitely showed more in college than Anthony Richardson definitely showed more than Will Levis did I mean say what you want about CJ Stroud but as for Anthony Richardson and Will Levis they played in the same division of the same conference, man. These guys are playing the same teams. I understand Hennon Hooker was playing in a more favorable system, in a better offense, on a better team. That being said, man, they're all playing in the SEC East. Anthony Richardson, and I get it, you know, you fall in love with traits. That's kind of the nature of the NFL draft and Hendon Hooker's 25 and coming off a torn ACL and that's why he fell to the third round but you, you, if you were drafting guys off college production I mean Hendon Hooker smoked Anthony Richardson in college production I, I don't think that I, and a coach 
Campbell has said it with the Detroit Lions. Don't expect to see him on the field this year. It will be a learning and growing experience for him. And Hendon said it himself today that they continue to learn and grow. And how do they continue to learn and grow in the books? And that's why Jim Nagy was able to go ahead and invite him down to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, that's a rare one, the, the, isn't it? He said that's the one off for him yeah. that he normally does not invite injured players. But you're looking at a, a potential Heisman Trophy winner if he doesn't have that torn ACL on November 19th. Then you're looking at a guy who who possibly would be toting that Heisman Trophy. But for what he's going to be able to learn playing behind Jared Goff, I think that seeing him here today his rehab process the confidence level in which he operates with and the command that he's going to get in the Detroit Lions offense that's a great draft pick to me and it's not a wasted draft pick because you've seen so many quarterbacks Again, Kyler Murray being that quarterback who oh, yeah. was a Pro Bowl-type quarterback, blow out his knee and not knowing what his comeback's going to be. But to me, I think that Hendon Hooker has the right mindset to where he will come back and he will have an opportunity to actually dominate in the NFL once he becomes. And the age factor, I think, only helps him sure. instead of hurt him for sure. Sure. I mean, like, I mean, these quarterbacks – the age factor is only a thing like if the age is a problem the fact that he's 25 well guess what that probably meant he had a 10-year nfl career at least because at that point he's 35 and still in the nfl so guess what the fact that he was 25 coming in you know i mean if the age ends up being an issue it's because he was end, ended up being a really good player so you know i i don't get why teams write guys off oh he's too old you know who cares at, at that point it you know I, I think it almost works to their benefit more than anything i, I think that's an interesting point that you make that not a lot of people make, but uh, yeah, I, I'm all in on Hendon Hooker, man. I think he's going to be special. Definitely one of the wild cards from a quarterback standpoint in this last year's draft. And again, if he does not get hurt, where does his status wind up being? And would he have been an Heisman Trophy winner? I think that that will always be up for debate, but I know today on the podium, you definitely had an opportunity to see some of Missouri's players say who was the toughest player that they had an opportunity to play against last year. And Missouri's people said it's Hendon Hooker. It definitely was he him at the quarterback position and all the obstacles and the challenges that they possessed. Well, speaking of Missouri, you got the opportunity to talk to Chris Abrams Drain, didn't you, our local Spanish Fort product? Yeah, I mean, Chris Abrams Drain is someone that we watched continue to be a dual sport athlete at Spanish Ford and continue to watch him do great things in the state championship game. Unfortunately for Ben Blackman and the Toros, they weren't able to win it, but definitely an all-state conference performer has continued to carry that over to the Missouri Tigers. And when I had an opportunity to talk with him today, it was just great to see the smile on his face and for him to be an ambassador and representative for the Missouri Tigers here at SEC Media Days, Chris Abrams Drain talking about his journey today. 2023 SEC Media Days here in Nashville, Tennessee. Chris Abrams Drain from the Missouri Tigers joins us this afternoon. Chris, how's everything going? Everything going good. I'm just happy to be here. 
Chris, it's been a long journey for you, man. You're now a junior at Missouri. Talk about the transition and the growth since you've left Spanish Ford and where you are now at Missouri. Um, I had to, it took a long time to get where I'm at. I had to do a lot of stuff off the field, work hard. I had to switch positions, but I had found success at the end. Let's talk about that position change for you. Of course, in high school, we had an opportunity to watch you be very versatile. I mean, play pretty much every position on the field and just get a lot of playing time. Now, switching up positions for yourself, let's talk about your new position, what you like about it, and the ability to take it to the next level at that position. What I like about the position, DB, is you can be yourself and you can, like, be on attack mode the whole game. You can be physical as you want to, and you don't have to think as much. And I um, feel like on the offensive side of the ball, you have to think way more than you do on the defense side of the ball. To be able to represent not only Spanish Ford, Baldwin County, your family, Mobile, football, I know, talk about the high school level of football and the greatness that's there and how it's helped you at Missouri, the competition coming from a school like Spanish Ford. Um, it helped me because everything we did, like in the offseason in Spanish Ford, we kind of do the same things now. So I feel like they prepared us on the field-wise like to be to compete with the best of the best. We're speaking with Chris Abrams Drain. Chris, will there be any special teams action for you this year for the Missouri Tigers? Oh, definitely. I'll be playing special teams probably two or three. Talk about the excitement that you have playing your position, the new cornerback position. Of course, in high school, you were able to play both sides of the football. I know wide receiver was where you came into Missouri initially playing. Of course, special teams being a returner as well. But this Missouri Tigers team this season, I know that it's one that the excitement level from the Mizzou fans are interesting and, and second to none playing in the zoo. What made you choose Missouri and kind of get out of your comfort zone and not be at Alabama or Auburn or Georgia and just find your own way at Missouri? Um, I had, it was the relationship I had with Coach Drink for one part, and I had a conversation with someone that's from Mobile, and he was like, he went somewhere far, and he had went to the NFL, so, and he says, keep like your focus level up, because if I was too close to home, I'd be trying to go home every week or something like that. So I feel like it just made me focus even more. How much fun are you having in college football? I mean, you know, the difference in seeing your growth, your teammates, and Missouri being successful, how much fun is that for you? It's a lot of fun because I use the dream. I use to watch YouTube of what college players do, and now I'm doing it every day. So I can't complain about it. I'm just happy to be here. Being a role model, I know that's something that you being a father as well, something that I know is really instilled in you, family values, and I know how did that change your life, just knowing that you are a father figure and you are a role model to so many other young Missouri Tiger fans? I just feel like it changed my life for the better because I just can't be going out there doing anything. I have to be present. I, got, I just have to have a clean face everywhere I go, have to have right attitude to help more people who come from where I come from see that they can do exactly what I'm doing. Chris Abrams Drain joining us on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Of course, he's one of the selections of Missouri coming and representing the Tigers here at SEC Media Day. You along with Cedric Johnson from Ole Miss, another Mobile, Alabama. What is it about the Mobile, Baldwin County players that just 
are seen worldwide on that big national map? What is it about that makes high school football so special and being seen and then that next level from collegiately continuing to be seen? I feel like it's just from the situations we come, we grow up in, like football is the easy part. So I feel like if football is the easy part, it's easy for us to give our all and do this because we could easily be doing something bad and doing going the wrong way in life. Chris Abrams-Drain joining us on the final drive. Chris, congratulations on the success that you've had so far representing yourself and the Missouri Tigers and look forward to seeing you this 2023 season and really getting your shine on. Thank you for having me. M-I-Z. Chris Abrams-Drain representing the Missouri Tigers talking with us earlier today and Michael, anytime you get an opportunity to see the 251 represented, you, you absolutely love the fact that Chris has continued to put up solid numbers, was an immediate impact player from a special team standpoint from the time he touched on campus for Missouri and now has gone from playing special teams and wide receiver to flipping positions and getting an opportunity to play a little cornerback. And I think that if things go well for Chris, he'll have the chance to, to make plenty of money in the NFL as well. Absolutely. I mean, a big thanks to Chris Abramstrain, by the way, for taking some time with us. Hopefully we're able to speak with Cedric Johnson when, uh, when Ole Miss is up, I believe, tomorrow if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, we really hope to be able to speak with Cedric. But, yeah, uh, yes. And so Chris Abrams-Drain, a really special football player. We, we had a chance to talk to Matt Stahl about him, who ironically is now working for AL.com, writing about Alabama. So maybe we'll have Matt Stahl on here soon. But, yeah, I mean, Spanish Ford's finest, man. SEC Media Days coming to you live from downtown Nashville on the site of the Grand Hyatt Hotel. Of course, Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Days 2023, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, The Cart Doctor, Dixie Supply, and Rich's Car Wash. On the other side of this break, we'll be talking with former walk-on and starting running back for the LSU Tigers, Josh Williams coming up next here on the final drive. This is TJ Mosley, inside linebacker, and you listen to the sports station, WNSP 1055. can only mean one thing here on the final drive. It's time to talk to Trent Massey of Future Ones. Trent, how's it going this afternoon, my brother? Man, I'm glad it's Friday this week. TGIF. Yes, sir. I tell you what, man, you, you get a chance to to catch the weekend and get your batteries recharged. It's been a very busy and hectic week for Future Ones. I know this past week, you guys were out in Las Vegas at the Coaching U Clinic. Of course, the NBA Summer League going on there in Las Vegas as well. But having an opportunity to take the Future Ones brand out to Vegas and kind of spread it throughout the United States. 
Yeah, we had a good trip. Uh, got to go out there, like you said, with Coaching You. They uh, put on clinics all over the, the country, and then they stream it around the world and kind of showing off our scout team jersey uh, for the basketball side of, of what we do. And um, got to meet a, a few coaches and NBA coaches that spoke at the clinic and uh, with the Lakers, got to expose our jersey to those guys and um, just kind of waiting to hear back from them. But, yeah, it was a great weekend. Uh had a good good chance to meet with a lot of coaches. Well, I tell you, you met one of my Hall of Famers and one of my role models and Kevin Eastman out there because he's a legendary assistant coach in the NBA. And I know anytime you get a chance to hear him speak about his leadership principles and how you can apply them, it doesn't matter whether you're playing or running a business like Future Ones. Kev Kevin Eastman is truly one of the best, just like Future Ones is the best this week coming up. It's a busy week for the state of Alabama as Future Ones is the official cloth provider of the AHSAA and all the uniforms that you'll be seeing this week provided by Future Ones, whether that's golf, tennis, basketball, you name it. If it's an all-star sport being played in Montgomery this weekend, they're going to have on the Future Ones gear. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really good opportunity that we have as a business, a local business right here in Mobile, being able to reach out around the state and around the country with this with our brand. Um, for the HSAA, they wear it uh, every year for all the All-Stars. Um, and, we're you know, it's a great opportunity for us to just be able to help the athletes, uh, you know, have some nice stuff to wear, good quality stuff uh, for the week and, get to really feel good about what they uh, what they look like and then we have some really nice uh designs this week uh gus uh my business partner gus smith he's kind of the designer around uh, behind all these things so as you look on al.com and see all these all-stars playing next week uh, he gets the cred for uh designing all those uniforms so yeah it's going to be a great week meet a lot of coaches a lot of administration will be up there and uh, just get a chance to really uh try to help the, the schools with a great quality product, a better price, and just a great customer service. So that's kind of our goals as a company. Well, there's no doubt that you guys do provide that as, as well as next week in conjunction with the AHSAA All-Star Sports Week. Of course, WNSP, you guys provide our official cloth, and we will be having that on at SEC Media Days in Nashville, Tennessee. So from a digital side, every time that you see Michael Bronner or myself or Nick Wiggins or Steven Root in our digital package here on WNSP, we will be having the Future Ones cloth on, whether that's the coaching polos or whether that's the quarter zip or cage jackets. There's so much that Future Ones does provide and can provide whether it is an athletic side of things or whether it's the equipment that you need to play the games or the bleachers that you may need to sit in at an event because many people say look I, these bleachers came in but I need to order some new ones because they're getting pretty bad so future ones can provide any athletic apparel and equipment to all type of churches and all type of parks and leagues as well Absolutely, man. You uh, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we we pretty much do anything you can think of, 
you know, one, one of the reasons we're on the radio today and even talking is uh, all throughout our, our business, which is good and bad, uh, people say, hey, can you do this? And like, yeah, we do it. And then we just figure it out. So if we don't do it yet and you need something done, more than likely we'll just figure it out. That's kind of our, our goal and uh, do whatever we can to help, uh, you know, the, the customers that, with what they need. So let me know if you have some ideas out there. We'll, we'll help you out. Of course, you can reach Future Ones, 877-583-0747. That's 877-583-0747. You can also reach them, sales at Future Ones. That's the number one with the S on it, sales at futureones.com. Trent, how else can people reach out and see everything that you have as far as from a catalog standpoint or if they do see something they like that you all have on Twitter or social media, how can they reach out to you outside of those two ways that I mentioned? Yeah, we're, we're pretty responsive on social media. If you see us on Twitter, send us a message, Facebook as well. Um, obviously, you can go to our website, futureones.com. That's future, the number one, and s.com. And uh, check out all of our a lot of our options on there. That's not everything we have, but we're steadily updating it as well. And so, yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to help you in any way, businesses, schools, um, any park leagues, anything like that. Just let us know. Trent Massey, man, rest up as we get ready for the AHSAA Sports All-Star Week next week in Montgomery, Alabama for you guys. And wish you safe travels. And, and always, thank you for everything that you do for WNSP and all our fine apparel that we already have. And look forward to sporting it at SEC Media Days. Man, thank you, Corey. You guys have a great weekend. Do the same. Trent Massey, co-owner of Future Ones. Again, you can meet them on Future Ones Team Sales, AHSAA Official Athletic Apparel Provider. You'll see all the wonderful uniforms that will be photographed next week on AL.com. The final drive will be right back. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the Grand Hyatt downtown Nashville. SEC Media Days 2023. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies. SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Rich's Car Wash, Dixie Supply, LNS Air Conditioning, and we did hear from Josh Williams, one of the more impressive young men, then one of the older ones as well, because looking at 2019 coming in, Coach O and then playing for Coach Kelly, that's a great dynamic there. No doubt about it, man. He, he got to experience the duality of LSU. He's on a championship team, kind of experiences the downfall of a program, and now he's back for the uprising of a program again. And also... Chris Abrams drain and speaking to him and knowing and seeing the smile on his face, knowing that look, 
he has a chance to be that difference maker for the Missouri Tigers on the defensive side of the ball. Don't know how many offenses will decide to attack him or how many interceptions or pass deflections he'll have, but that's a good problem to have if you're Chris Abrams drained. Yeah, we ran out of time to hear from uh, Javon Foster. We'll have to play him at some point in the 5 o'clock hour, maybe after Zach Blackerby, who's sitting across from us right now in the building in person, Zach Blackerby. Don't get the chance to talk to our guy ZB in person all that often. So excited about that coming up next. But, uh, you know, if you're listening in Mobile, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the guy right now. It's, uh, it's a picturesque sight. Well, Locked On Auburn tomorrow will be a picturesque sight for all the Auburn Tigers faithful as you know the questions will come for Hugh Freeze about the transfer portal, how he's rebuilding depth, the recruiting process, and the excitement out of the sold-out fan base of the 2023 Auburn regular season. And we'll talk to Mr. Blackerby next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty and my producer Michael Brauner coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt downtown Nashville, Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome back to hour number three of the final drive coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt Hotel, downtown Nashville, 2023. Supplies, it's going to be Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Days 2023 style, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by Keesler Federal Credit Union, along with Chavis Furniture, Eagle Dent Repair, McConnell Buick, GMC and 
my partner here, my producer this week. Next to me, Michael Bronner, across from him, locked on Auburn, Zach Blackerby. Of course, we're always normally on the phone lines, but when you have SEC media days, that means Brother Blackerby can come on down to the WNSB table. We can talk to him face-to-face. Great to see you, Brother Blackerby. Yes, always good to, to do this segment in person. Of all the people, I was excited to see, you know, Nick Saban's going to be here, sure, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jimbo Fisher's going to be here, sure. Sure. He, you know, I guess, you know, Hugh Freeze's re-debut at SEC Media Day. That's right. Lane Kiffin should breed some sound bites, but we're sitting across the table. It's this moment right here. It's this moment right <laughs> That's here. Right. We don't get a lot of in-person, inter- you know, every every place in Alabama is three and a half hours away from each other. We don't get a lot of That's right. in-person action with Zach Blackerby. We're here. No, it's been a fun, uh, fun first day, I think. It started off right for sure in regards to the spread that they had this morning, the brunch. Yeah, let's talk about that brunch. Absolutely fantastic. Incredible. It, it really was. Anytime you can have salmon and eggs, cheese eggs, and Nashville hot fried chicken for breakfast there's or mac brunch. And, there's mac and cheese, Mac too. and cheese. You, you just you can't go wrong from that standpoint. Yeah, one of the best breakfast buffets I've ever had. Big thanks and to the Grand Hyatt on that one. They, I mean, that, that, they, they're, Nashville they're has nailed it right. so far. Yeah. I mean, they have nailed it. The layout uh, of everything where Radio Row is positioned next to the electronic media room and, you know, the main media room. Like, it, I mean, it's been the best layout of a media days I can remember. Yeah, and it's not even just about necessarily the layout. It's the atmosphere of us getting ready for college mm-hmm. football. Anytime you have SEC media days, it's the appetizer before the main course. Right. As we were just talking about eating, these college football players will have a chance to eat on the football field here in about a month and a half. Yeah, we're close. We're close. And it's always always the unofficial start of the season. We get excited, and the media days ends. We go home, and it's like we still have two weeks. <laughs> you know. But, but yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll see when everybody kind of officially decides to open camp. Throughout the country, it seems like August 2nd to August 5th kind of seems to be like a common starting date for fall camp. So I assume it'll be that way for most teams in the SEC. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all in the same boat. We all can't, uh, can't wait to see what happens throughout this conference. Well, let's talk about Auburn for a sec, believe it or not. Zach. Okay, let's talk, I can do that. Let's talk, let's talk about <laughs> Auburn. For, it seems like the general – it's probably one of the more varied consensuses, I think, across – you know, if ask anyone here, they might have a different opinion on what Auburn's going to do this season, what right. their ceiling is, what their floor is, obviously entering a new era from a from the two years of – you know, let's not mince words. It was a disaster under Brian Harson, mostly from a recruiting standpoint. The but, potato famine yeah, is what we're calling <laughs> it. All right, so the Harson potato famine. We're moving out of the Har- some potato famine into the freeze era. We'll think of a. I don't know if you have a new catchy word for that already. We'll call it the freeze era for now. We'll That's think, fine. We'll think of something. You know, the, we gotta see how it goes. Well, first. well yeah, we'll think. We'll think of something yeah. for it. But no, legitimately, like, what, what, what are you? I, I think you are one of the more. I don't want to say pessimistic, but almost like realistic. Like you're not all in on this 2023 Auburn team. No, and I don't know if. You can be like if you're Hugh Freeze. These aren't really his dudes. I mean, it's, I know they went out to the portal, and there's like 42 new players that that are on this roster that weren't here 365 days ago, which is crazy. But I don't think we really know like what that looks like. I mean, Ole Miss has found success early with kind of going into the transfer portal, but 
they didn't replace like 75% of their starters, you know? So I, I think there's going to be some growing pains for sure. And look, this could be a team that gets better in the second half of the season, but a lot of these 50-50 toss-up games, like you can't trip and stumble on the road in Cal. You can't do that in College Station to open up conference play. And if you lose those two games, I mean, that's a that's a tough hill to climb after that. Is Cal? I mean, I've been I've been spinning it as you know that that's a win. Is you know if they, I'm, I'm with you, but there's a lot of people who are saying like Cal's going to be tricky and maybe it's not a gimme, right? I mean, if all it's a road game I mean, on Cal, the West yeah, Coast, and you know, Pac-12 folks, an SEC team coming into town, like there's going to be some buzz, some energy, and also that game's at like midnight, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's 9:30 Central Time, but I mean, it's, it's going to be the latest kick in the history of Auburn football. You know, how does that impact? things i mean we don't know i mean if you lose the cow you can almost not that the season is over but you can pretty much throw out the kind of season that auburn is hoping to have already out the I window mean, it throws nine point. wins out right sure. the possibility of a nine win and probably eight and four as well but i still think they could trip early and figure things out it makes it tougher you don't want to do that especially because not long after that you've got to go to college station and, and look, I think Texas a and is better than Auburn. I think a lot of people are going to think that. That's not a crazy take. So you need to win as many of these 50-50 games. You know, I'm talking about at Cal, at A&M, at Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State at home. Like those are the games you got to win to go seven and five, eight and four, nine and three. And um, they got to figure it out quick. And they've got a lot of dudes that have not been at Auburn very long. It's just a tricky, tricky situation. Earlier today, when. Commissioner Sankey does come to the podium and he yeah. gets everything started. The level of dominance and the expectations that have been set for the SEC, right. the standard is second to none across the entire country. And then you look as far as divisionless football moving forward to the 2024 season. Mm -hmm. I know Auburn's, again, excited to have a new head coach in Hugh Freeze to still be a part of this historic SEC tradition, but we'll go ahead and we'll fast forward. Okay. If Auburn, let's say they do win seven games this season, mm -hmm. and, and, and it, which is not bad for a first-year program, when Hugh Freeze does get his dudes in here, 2024 this time next year, what will the expectations realistically be for Hugh Freeze in year number two? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of variables, right, of things that could impact that over the next year or so. Like, does Peyton Thorne figure it out? Or Robbie Ashford, does Auburn have their quarterback going into next season? Or if Peyton wins the job, is he good enough to go pro and we're doing this whole thing again, right? I mean, that, I think that's a big, a big part of it. But, look, I mean, if they flip all these kids that they're supposed to over the next few months, like, they're going to have a really, really talented freshman class of positions where they're going to need guys to play early. And so I think that raises your ceiling potentially for 2024 and it drops your floor, you know, as well. So I don't know. I think if they go seven and five and they put up fights against Alabama and Georgia and they show that they belong in what we know currently is the SEC West, it's about to go away. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good situation. Because this is a fringe year for a lot of teams in the SEC. You know, Hugh Freeze is just getting going, but like, What's going to happen with Sam Pittman in Arkansas? Billy Napier's got to figure things out. Jimbo Fisher, I mean, that story kind of has written itself up to this point. Lane Kiffin, I mean, what's going to happen? He, I don't think he can continue building Ole Miss, the, 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 you know, what he's done. What's Mississippi State look like? There's a lot of, like, question marks. And so 
I think next year, I think Hugh Freeze could possibly put himself in a situation to be one of the more stable positions in the conference, but we just got to see how everything happens. Not only Perry Thompson, as we talked about visiting Big Cat Weekend, Ryan Williams taking a trip to Big Cat Weekend as well. What, you know, when you see something like that, and you know, by all accounts, by all the Alabama recruiting guys we've talked to about him, we actually had him in studio last week, and you know, he was phenomenal as as, as he always is. Sure. Uh, you know, by all the Alabama recruiting guys we talked to, very solid. He hasn't, you know, whereas Perry Thompson's been on flip watch, but when you see something like that. It, you know, his dad's an Auburn legacy. You know, is it something like? It's interesting. Ah, who, who, who knows here? It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's one of the bigger recruiting weekends across the country. I mean, every every school's got their like big recruiting weekend that weekend, and you know, that's that's where you go when you're like looking at your number one option. So, I think Perry Thompson's much more likely to come to Auburn than Ryan Williams. I'd say so. Um, but it is interesting. It kind of puts a flag up, right? Yeah, that, that. Can you imagine that, that if he pulled that, that off? That one scared me a little bit. I, 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 I mean, that would be on like that hall of. I mean, it'd be one of. The, it'd be probably the one of the best <laughs> Auburn classes ever. If he, it, well, if you flip Perry Thompson and Ryan Williams, just the fact that you can say I flipped both of these Alabama five stars, yeah, that, yeah, that would be one of the greatest recruiting achievements I've ever seen. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, Joseph Phillips. I mean. Yep. It wasn't a flip, but it really felt like it because, I mean, yeah. he was just trending towards Georgia those final three weeks. And then uh, Demarcus Riddick, who's been committed to Georgia for a while, the linebacker, he's on flip watch. Um, he's kind of making his next decision between he's leaving Georgia either going to Auburn or Alabama uh, on the 26th or the 27th. It's a few days before that weekend. It's on his mother's birthday. And it's like, that, I mean, you just talk about if all that happened within a few weeks, that'd be – I mean, I, I can't remember a run of Auburn recruiting has ever looked anything like that. Tomorrow, Auburn does come to the post. Yeah, right. As far as expectations, we, we mentioned who Coach Freeze is bringing, basically senior leaders, mm -hmm. people who have been rock solid coming into the spring and, and following over because you, you were hoping maybe to see a quarterback or to talk a little bit about that. But as far as this time tomorrow after Auburn has left the building, mm -hmm. what do you think the buzz is going to be about the Auburn Tigers? I don't think there's going to be any buzz at all. I think that was part of the strategic you know decision of getting these three guys. I think they're going to be guys that come in, answer questions, don't raise any flags, and I think that's going to be – and I think Hugh Freeze is going to be very, very cautious in what he says. He's going to do a whole spiel on how it's great to be back in the SEC. And every interview he does, he's going to be welcomed back to the SEC. And I think Hugh Freeze is past that emotionally. I think he's been like, okay, I'm back in the SEC since, you know, the first day he took the job when he was recruiting before he did his introductory presser. I don't think this is a, like a – message that Hugh Freeze wants to do is something he's got to do and you know I don't think a lot of these coaches necessarily enjoy media days no they kinda, don't this is part it's of the job it's a chore. yeah this is part of the job and you know it, it is what it is but um I think you're going to see like the bare minimum from from the the Auburn contingency and that's going to be okay we'll see if uh Hugh takes the trip to Radio Row I would expect him not to uh as for the podium you know, you can't really avoid that. Do you think anyone's going to have the have the courage to ask him the tough questions that everyone might be thinking? I do. Just because it, it seems like there's always been somebody that, you know, wants to open up a box that I feel like has been closed and shut and locked shut multiple times, but people still keep trying to pry it open. Uh, I mean, there's just been so much time and so many opportunities for folks to ask those questions. 
since he's been rehired. Um, I just kind of feel like that ship has sailed, but I, I, I bet some out of state paper asked that question. You're looking at him. <laughs> oh, yeah? That'd be wild. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely see again the momentum from the Auburn fan standpoint. You, you, you're going to get a second to none fan base with, with as far as excitement is concerned. I think that's evident in selling out your season tickets sure. and just wanting to see Auburn go past what they, would you say, the potato era? Um, the, the, potato famine. The potato famine era so the harsh and potato getting past don't write about it in history books and and, and moving forward i know that auburn it's gonna get covered up by covid that's true that's true he gets bailed out well i I tell you i don't think hugh freeze i think he's going to be comfortable tomorrow at the podium again coming back to the sec you mentioned being welcome back and this not being his first rodeo uh unlike coach harson coming in and, and never had seen anything in coach kelly brian kelly from LSU talked about it too today. Look, I've never experienced anything like this a year ago. That was all brand. And he was at Notre Dame mm-hmm. and had never experienced anything like that. But Hugh Freeze, again, a veteran. I don't think there'll be any shots fired. I don't think there'll be any ammunition. Mm-hmm. It'll be as scheduled tomorrow for the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I mean, and Hugh is a guy that, I mean, he's no stranger to a press conference. I mean, he has won many a press conference in his day. So uh, I'm with you, Corey. I, I think it's going to be pretty straight. I think he's going to be genuine. I think he's going to, you know, approach it all with humility, um, which is what we've seen him do for the last five, six, seven years of his career. So I think we'll see more of it tomorrow. Auburn record, first loss. Seven and five, first loss A&M. Okay. We'll, we'll take that to the bank again. We always love talking with Zach Blackerby, locked on Auburn. He's on with us each and every week, is in person with us here yes. at the Grand, Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Look forward to catching up with you next week as we continue to, to move forward and take it a week closer to college football for certain. Yeah, always good to see you all, and hopefully we'll be less tired a week from now. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Again, Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SCC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Ken Morgan, All-Star Agent, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, and Rich's Car Wash. Want to thank everyone for tuning in to the final drive here. Coming to you from Radio Row in downtown Nashville at the Grand Hyatt. We'll be right back. Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. Coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville. And we want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets. And brought to you in part by the Car Doctor, Dixie Supply, Ward International Trucks, Keesler Federal Credit Union, along with Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. And we were talking to Chris Abrams Drain earlier today for the Missouri Tigers. Of course, Missouri takes the podium. Coach Drinkwitz not really falling for the banana in the tailpipe that Paul Feinbaum tried to to get him to bite on as he kind of made a a, a bad 
I guess a comparison between what his brother-in-law makes and the NIL and gambling, but Javon Foster, a senior starter and offensive lineman for the Missouri Tigers, selected by Missouri to represent his school in a 6'5", 300-pound big man. Had an opportunity to ask him a few questions about the Missouri Tiger football program. Here with Missouri left tackle Javon Foster, started 26 straight games for the Missouri Tigers. Javon, welcome to Nashville. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Appreciate you taking some time with us. So first of all, you've been through the whole Drinkwitz era so far. What have you seen from Coach? What have you seen from changes through the program in your time at Missouri? Um, I feel like Coach Drinkwitz has done a great job. Uh, he's working, you know, trying to improve us each year. And I feel like um, this year we got something to prove. So I feel like he's going to be something special. Javon, when you look at the improvement of the Missouri Tigers, the expectations are always to win the SEC championship. Do you think the Tigers have what it takes this season? Yes, yes, I think we do. Also, when you look at the development of the offense as a whole, I know it's going to start up front. It's going to start with your protection of your quarterback and the system that's in place. How has the offensive line grown this year versus last year? Um, from this year, uh, we have done a lot. Uh, like, we have been working, honestly. Uh, last year wasn't our best year. We knew that's not what we wanted to put on tape. So this offseason, we took it very serious. I always like to ask offensive linemen this question. Pass blocking or run blocking, which do you like better? Pass blocking. Why? Because uh, it's fun. It's one-on-one. Got to protect your, your guy. So, you know, it's something a little fun, a little challenge. Having an opportunity to start that many games in a row and Looking down, we're from Mobile, Alabama, home of the Reese's Senior Bowl, knowing that that's an opportunity that you may have in the postseason. Would that be a goal of yours to come down to Mobile, Alabama and play in the Reese's Senior Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I would like to uh, go, down, uh, go down there and, and play in Mobile and see how that is. Your teammate, Chris Abrams Drain from Baldwin County in Spanish Ford. He's a, he's a guy who, who made a nice little journey on himself. Talk about him and yourself being ambassadors for the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, Chris, Chris, that's my guy. You know, he been here for a while. You know, I've been here for a while. So, you know, I know him a lot, you know, talk, kick it with him. You know, I, I just like him a lot. He's a very special player and a good dude. What made you commit to Missouri? I, I know coming from Detroit, having an opportunity to say Missouri is where. Was it them who showed you the most love? Because, or was it the fact that you had an opportunity to play right away? What was it that intrigued you the most about Missouri? Um, they showed me a lot of love. Um, you know, coming out of high school, I was committed to uh, Central Michigan. And also, you know, them playing in the SEC. That was a big role. You know, I just want to play against the best. I got to ask you about the Auburn game last year. You're talking to two Alabama guys, so, you know, you, you, these aren't Auburn fans here, and I know it's probably a painful game, but just one of the craziest games of last year. What, what do you remember from that one? Um, it was a, a tough game, of course. It was a tough game, but uh, I felt like it was a lot to learn from. You feel me? Uh, we made a lot of mistakes, so I feel like that's something you can always learn from. Again, the expectations for the Missouri Tigers are to go ahead and back-to-back SEC championship appearances a few years ago. So that's the standard that I know you guys have seen. I know that's what you obtained too. But talk a little bit about your other teammates who are going to be vital roles for the Missouri Tigers this year. Um, I feel like it's a lot of guys like uh, Mimbu. Um, we have a lot of younger guys that's been, you know, stepping in and taking big roles. So I feel like a lot of guys, you know, they're ready to step up and ready to show the world what they can do. Javon, can't thank you enough for taking time. 2023 SEC Media Days wish you the best for the Missouri Tigers season moving forward. Thank you.
Welcome back here again. We're the 2023 SEC Media Days. Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville. Coming up next, we'll have the CEO of the Peach Bowl and their involvement in college football is second to none as the college football looks to expand here in 2024. We'll be right back here on the final drive. Hey, this is Julian Zeus McClurkin with the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and my favorite station is WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville. We want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the Card Doctor, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, Dixie Supply and Rich's Car Wash. And sitting across from us right now, it's someone who's very involved in college football and has been for several years. Very instrumental in us getting football started and ended the right way. Gary Stoken, CEO of the Peach Bowl, joins us this evening on the final drive. Gary, welcome to the final drive. Corey and Michael, thanks for having us. Uh, it's great to be with you. And before we start, I've got to pass along my uh, uh, hellos to Mike Gottfried, Coach Gottfried, and to Jerry Silverstein. Two great guys, two good friends. Danny Sheridan as well. Uh, three good friends, I should say. And uh, all instrumental in what they're doing in, in college sports. The vision that you have when you start a bowl game. We talked a little bit off the air how we started the initial bowl games in Mobile, Alabama. How Coach Gottfried had that vision, how he was able to obtain sponsorship, but for so long, the kickoff game, whether it's the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, whether we end the game in the Peach Bowl, it's always great to have the involvement of so many great title sponsors for bowl games. Well, it really is. Without bowl sponsors, you can't have these type of games. We're fortunate to have Chick-fil-A, who's been the longest title sponsor in bowl history they're going on 29 years now um, we just announced last week that Aflac was coming on to be the title sponsor of our kickoff game and so we're very blessed to have two Georgia companies two companies that give back in a meaningful way through the use of college football and we've been able to do that by being the most charitable bowl organization in the country of 44 bowls it's our mission. We were the ninth oldest bowl game founded, but the first game founded to give back to charity. Most bowls are built for tourism. We give back to tourism as well through uh, our games during Labor Day weekend and, and Christmas week. Um, but we, we make sure that you know we give uh, money back to charities throughout the country. We've given $61 million back since 2002 uh, by using college football to uh, give back to the greater good. Gary Stoken, CEO of the Peach Bowl, our guest on the final drive this afternoon. So, Gary, this year it was the third time the Peach Bowl was a college football playoff matchup. The first two, obviously not particularly close. Alabama defeats Washington in a game that wasn't a huge blowout, but, it, you know, it wasn't particularly close. And then LSU just bludgeons Oklahoma when it was a college football playoff matchup that time. So you've been waiting and waiting. You finally get a third opportunity for it to be a close playoff matchup, and you get one of the best, <laughs> most 
epic playoff matchups of all time with Georgia defeating Ohio State on the midnight shank missed field goal. I tell you, it was interesting. Kirby Smart showed me the, um, uh, the ring they gave to Georgia. And on one side, it has Peach Bowl. It has the score. And it has a clock striking 12 mm -hmm. with confetti around it uh, because the kick that was missed by Ohio State took place right around midnight. So, um, yeah, it was 24.5 million viewers, which is all time within the top 20 broadcast from cable TV history, which is remarkable for a New Year's Eve game. Um, but, you know, that, that speaks to where college football is. It's the second most favorite sport in the country behind the NFL. It's growing. I think it's at its pinnacle right now, but I think it'll even grow more with the 12-team playoff coming online. You being someone who obviously is involved with the college football playoff, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I think from the general fan perspective, I don't know what the consensus – I don't think the consensus is great in terms of the playoff matchups being on New Year's Eve. And I understand, you know, the NBA and NFL have games on Christmas, and, and, you know, the NFL owns Thanksgiving as well. I understand the trying to make that holiday a thing, but, you know, it's almost like you schedule your New Year's – just from a fan perspective, I know from my personal experience, you have to schedule your New Year's Eve around – because I'm not going to miss the college football playoff. But, <laughs> right. you know, it is what it is. Like, you're, so your thoughts on that? Well, it's really interesting. I think the NFL moving – it's, uh, it's playoffs back and adding another round of playoffs has really caused some consternation with the scheduling of the CFP because obviously you don't want to compete against the NFL. Of course. Uh, out of the top 100 broadcasts last year, I mentioned ours, we were fourth non-NFL broadcast and we were 36th out of the top 100. Um, 88 of those 100 broadcasts were NFL games. That's how strong the NFL is on sports. On, on TV. They're number one. We're number two in fan avidity across the United States. College football is. Um, but I think what we're looking at is playing one game on December 31st and then three games on January 1st. That was, those will be the quarters. The semis will be January 8th and 9th. And then the uh, finals will be Martin Luther King Monday, probably right around there, January 19th, 20th, depending on the year. Um, all those stay away from the NFL playoffs. We still maintain that January 1st, three games, which will be great. Uh, and that, that's all happening in 24 when the playoffs start and then 25. So you're talking about expansion, obviously. What is going to be the Peach Bowl's role in that? The great thing is we're, uh, we're lined up to be a quarterfinal in 24. So imagine this. Our, our uh, season in 24 will be we'll start – the Aflac kickoff game with Georgia against Clemson, which will be two top ten teams. We'll have the SEC championship in Atlanta, which will probably be two top ten teams. We'll have the quarterfinal of the CFP playoff in the first playoff year, 24, where we'll either have number one, two, three, or four playing against the top ten team. And then in January, we'll host the national championship game in Atlanta. So it's a heck of a 2024 25 will start with uh, Tennessee, Syracuse, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, and our AFLAC kickoff games. And then end 
that year with the CFP semifinals. So some great games coming over Atlanta over the next couple of years. The growth of college football, especially here in the South, adding Oklahoma and Texas in 2024. I know that's going to be a lot of fun for this conference. But when you select the games, a lot of people say, I know these matchups sometimes are two and three years in advance. And, you're, and that's based on the success of teams in the past, as you've had Alabama many times right. as well, whether they were playing Duke or whether they played Clemson in in the kickoff that game. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun when you do do that but what goes into your selection process how do you select the teams for the preseason kickoff games yeah great question Corey it's it's uh, better lucky than good sometimes you know uh, it was interesting in 2019 went to Pac-12 media days and I had Kirby Smart in Georgia that I knew I had them for 2022 and I talked with Mario Cristobal, who was the head coach at Oregon. And Mario and Kirby had served under Nick Saban at Alabama as assistant coaches. So they, they knew each other. And I went to Mario and I said, hey, Oregon, you guys are doing a great job recruiting. You know, by 2022, you're going to be really good. Because I follow the recruiting for 247 and the other recruiting things for three, four years to see what kind of recruiting years they're having. I look at the coaches' contracts. I look at how they're trending year to year from a team-wise. I look at who has openings and when they have openings. But ultimately, the coach has to want to play another coach, and AD has to want to play, take, it away, get, take a game away from their home schedule. So uh, I talked to Mario, and he said, yeah, I love Kirby. I love to compete against Kirby. We're, we're going to be ready at that time. Well, little did I know, Oregon would be ranked 11th, but you know, Mario would take the Miami job, and ironically enough, the head coach at Oregon was Dan Lanning, who was the defensive coordinator for Kirby at Georgia when they won the national championship. And his first game is against Kirby. Um, but it's like a Rubik's Cube. You know, you, you got to talk to a lot of people. That's what I do here. I talk to coaches. Uh, I talk to ADs. Um, and you just have a lot of conversations and see what you can put together. Commissioner Sankey did mention in his press conference, was asked about, look, you know, downtown Atlanta, the home of what you have is the SEC championship. Possibly Nashville may want to try to grab and get on board. But I know you love the meat and potatoes of Atlanta. You've been involved in the Atlanta area. It's really not only the football capital of the South, it's really one of the sports capitals of the world when you look at all the great events that can be hosted here, as evident bringing in the 96 Olympics. But the possibility of anything but the SEC championship game being played anywhere other than Atlanta, to me, it just doesn't feel right. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Corey, and I think Greg said that too. Uh, he's working with Mercedes-Benz, who obviously owns the site, to a long-term contract to keep the SEC in Atlanta, and they should. It's been very good to them, uh, fan-wise, uh, media-wise, as well as Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I think, is the best facility in the world right now from a fan experience standpoint. So, you know, we have all the great things, the corporate support, the fans, the volunteers, you know, great stadium, you know, easy access, three interstates in, in and out of Atlanta, the best airport in the, in the world with hourly flights to Chicago, Boston, New York, California, you know, a lot of great cities, um, L.A., uh, so we just have all the ingredients to put on these big type of events, and that's why 
we're going to be the first city to host the national championship twice. We hosted in 17, we'll host in 25, and hopefully we can keep on that rotational basis. The college football playoff, obviously, you know, it's it's been a topic of discussion. It expanding to 12 teams, and, and you know, we'll see if it expands further than 12 beyond that. I think that's certainly a possibility, and we'll see how long it actually stays at 12. But what are your thoughts on that? Because there was so everyone had an opinion on mm. should it be eight, should it be six, right. should it be four. Some people thought it should go back to the BCS. What, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess more more opportunities for Atlanta is, is always going to be something you're favorable of. Yeah, I think it helps us with you know having the quarters and semi and hopefully when a new contract's done in 26, we maintain that position and, again, repeat as a, as a host for the national championship game. I think the commissioners looked at it and said, we really haven't had any West Coast uh, participation since Washington in our game in 2016, so we need to get the West Coast involved. I think looking at it holistically, you know, there'll be 30, 40, maybe upward of 50 teams in October, November that will still be in the hunt to get to that 12. That helps college football, right? You got NBC, CBS, ABC, ESPN, Amazon now, possibly Apple, depending on what happens out in the Pac-12 media, that are all invested in college football, which is going to promote the sport. And then you get some of the West Coast teams into the playoff. All of that will help fan base will help uh, attendance, will help viewership, will help high school recruiting. So more kids will want to play college football. So all that's good for the sport. I think the sports, it's the pinnacle, but it'll even grow more with the 12-team playoff. And as I said earlier, we're the second favorite sport in the country. Uh, and I think our growth is still ahead of us. So, you know, bringing Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC is only going to blow up the SEC even more. Uh, I think what the Big 12's done is really good. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Pac-12 this week with their TV deal. But I think college football's best days are ahead. There are some, you know, consternations that we have. Number one, we got to get this uh, federal legislation passed on NIL across the country so it's even. It's not pay for play. We got to get the signing date regulated right. We got to do some of this transfer portal. So there are some things. And I, and I think, very frankly, you know, we need to go back to our roots and be intercollegiate athletics. There's 98% of these kids that aren't going to go to the NFL. We need to get those kids their degrees. And I think these collectives and donors, instead of the money up front to pay for play for these kids, ought to be on the backside to give these kids jobs after they get their degree and graduate. Because we all know we all have to pick up a lunch pail. Even these guys are playing, you know, three years in the NFL. Your fourth year is when you get to the free agency when you make some money. And the NFL stands for not for long. <laughs> the average lifespan is less than three years in the NFL. So these guys at 26, 27, they got to go pick up a lunch pail. Because you're not making huge money, you know, in those first three years. So I think we got to go back to our roots, get these kid degrees, and then get these collectives to get the kids jobs after they graduate. Gary Stokin, CEO of the Peach Bowl, and we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us to talk about the growth and the expansion of college football and your thoughts about breaking down the future of college football, whether it's from an NIL standpoint or whether it is from the transfer portal. And, you know, you're not going to transfer on us. We know the CEO <laughs> of the Peach Bowl is here with us here on the final drive, and we can't thank you enough for taking 
taking time to join us this afternoon. Corey and Mike, I really appreciate it. And uh, again, thanks to uh, my friends Mike and to Jerry and to Danny. Great people, and uh, I look forward to seeing them the next time. When you see them, please tell them hello for me. Most certainly will. Thank Gary Stoken, CEO and president of the Peach Bowl, joining us here on the final drive. We'll be right back to put the finishing touches on today's first day of SEC Media Day. Hey, this is Buckus Blakes from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile. finishing touches on a day one of SEC Media Day's live in Nashville episode of The Final Drive. Big thanks to all our guests today. We had Tony Sakalis on the phone. We had Zach Blackerby in person. We had Gary Stoken in person. We had Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart in person. Been a really awesome day, guests. Talked to Hendon Hooker. Talked to Chris Abrams, Drain. Talked uh, talked to Javon Foster, LSU running back Josh Williams. Man, what a day! I guess today, Corey, huh? Well, it's day number one, of course. You know, you look at what's on the plate for tomorrow. Of course, the Auburn Tigers are due up, and we we're excited to see what Auburn is going to to bring to the podium. I don't know if there'll be a lot of sparks flying. Mississippi State Zach Arnett scheduled to take his first. I, I, you know he's going to pay homage to, to Coach Leach. You know that's going Greg to be Sankey done. Greg Sankey did today. We didn't talk about that. It, w it was a nice tribute that uh, Greg Sankey had for Coach Leach. He, he, said he had some a, uh, a, a story about how you know Coach Leach at last year's SEC Media Days kept him kept him behind stage talking to him about him about how you know why society still wear neckties and Greg Sankey wasn't yeah. wearing a tie today in honor of Coach Leach. I, I thought that was a really nice thing today. You also have the Georgia Bulldogs. The back-to-back -back national champions will be in the building. Of course, Kirby Smart and Vanderbilt. The Commodores also will be joining the it's podium heck, heck tomorrow. Of a, heck of a crew for Vanderbilt to have to step to the podium with. They couldn't have thrown them with Missouri or something like that. You know, whew. Well, it, it, tough, I, tough spot. It, it is one of those days to where it, today was kind of a slower day with only three teams, and it'll pick up definitely Tuesday and Wednesday for sure. But, you know, in the SEC, it just means more. Commissioner Sankey talked about that for certain and all the national championships that were won across the board. And I know day number one here on Radio Row, we look forward to bringing you more great on-site interviews as well as recorded interviews also because we want you to feel like you're a part of the 2023 SEC Media Days coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies bringing us to SEC Media Days 2023 presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Air Excellence, New Century Tires, Eagle Dent Repair, McConnell Buick, GMC, Ward International Trucks, Rich's Car Wash, and Dixie Supply, just to name a few, Michael Bronner. And it's again been a tremendous day one, the Fantastic Four, Stephen Root, Nick Wiggins, Michael Bronner, and myself, all involved with this 2023 
football kickoff media days wise from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Asheville. And can't thank Gary Stoken. Uh, that was great, man. Dropping his knowledge and from a business aspect, just letting you know. And he off the air just had another great story to share in regards to him being a former basketball coach and some of the stories that he told me linking he and Michael Jordan both. I look forward to the next time we have him on what the air. Unlikely to share. Look, listen, when he told me that, my jaw just dropped. So look forward to sharing that story with him the next time he's a guest here on the final drive. And again, tomorrow, all week long, we're going to have great interviews supplied to you and we thank you for tuning in here to the final drive on WNSP 105.5 live from downtown Nashville and the Grand Hyatt as day number one has concluded here at SEC Media Days. We'll be right back with you tomorrow from 3 to 6.